My name is Mr. Rowe. I am the host of Reality Extraction. On Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, I utilize logic, intellect, and magic to methodically autonomize, vivisect, analyze, examine, study, scrutinize, and extract an essence of reality from a fog of illusion and confusion. You can find me on Studio B every Thursday at 1700 hours Pacific Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. No topic taboo, no subject too strange. I strive to take a neutral standpoint during the dissection of the topic at hand. That's Reality Extraction with Mr. Rowe on Revolution Radio. Oscar's freeze. That's your cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows you're screwed. God is filling with adrenaline right now. Whether you know it or not, the heart's beating fast. It's getting a little harder to breathe. The neurobiological system is telling it to run. But your knees are too weak to move. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting the danger. Unafraid. Right here, where information never sleeps. Revolution. Revolution. Radio. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host... Okay, welcome to um, Free Association. This is the roundtable version of the show, except that I've just tried to get hold of Joel and Lawrence, and, and neither is answering at the moment, so it's a it's the solo roundtable version again. Uh, so I'm going to put a video on, I think, and uh, get me act together and have a cup of coffee. All right, no, Lawrence is here. That's good. I'm with Radio. What the 
heck is the Truth Jihad? Hey, I'm Kevin Barrett, host of Truth Jihad Radio. Federal prosecutors, Department of Homeland Security agents, and curious passersby often ask me, just what is this Truth Jihad thing anyway? Well, everybody knows what truth is, but jihad is a misunderstood term. Jihad means effort or struggle. The greater jihad is the struggle to be a better person, while the lesser jihad is the struggle to defend the community. Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, did say that the best jihad is a word of truth flung in the face of a tyrant. And that's what we do here at Truth Jihad Radio. Every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 7 Pacific, right here on Revolution Radio. Hey, everyone. It's Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Revolution, Revolution Radio. You don't see it, do you? How close we are to absolute chaos? The sick ones are sitting on their fat masses, eating and drinking themselves into a stupor, polluting the world without a second thought while it goes down the toilet. Nobody wants to do the nasty work. You know, the shit that we all just think about. Most good citizens are just along for the ride and then bitch and moan and complain about everything when it doesn't work out. Not me. Get it done. Revolution Radio, where we do the nasty work. www.freedomslips.com Thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. If you plan to call in and speak with one of our hosts, please turn down your radio and separate yourself from any background noise and wait for the area code to be called on before you speak. And don't forget, Revolution Radio freedomslips.com is listener supported. So stop by the homepage, freedomslips.com, visit the site support area to help support the host you're listening to's airtime. Thank you. Revolution Radio freedomslips.com, where the truth never sleeps. When an anarcho-syndicalist commune 
We take it in turns to act as a sort of executive officer for the week. Yes. But all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting. Yes, I see. By a simple majority in the case of purely internal affairs. Be quiet. But by a two-thirds majority in the case of more Be quiet. I order you to be quiet. Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look. Just a flesh wound. I don't believe I'm seen such a display of courage, skill, nerve, grace, stupidity. I'll do you for that. What? Come here. What are you going to do? Bleed on me? I'm invincible. You're a loony. The Black Knight always triumphs. Welcome one, welcome all. And it is that time for Roundtable Live here at RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com. Be rolling on until 4 a.m. in the morning Eastern time. New ideas, different hosts every night, different subjects every night. You never know what's going to happen right here at the Roundtable Live. King Arthur has nothing on us. We're going round and round. All right, I think that's my cue. <laughs> Try it again. Uh, double bumpers. So I wasn't expecting double bumpers. It didn't happen last week. It happened the week before. It's all a bit uh, improvised, as always. Um, welcome to the Free Association Roundtable. My name's Dennis. Um, I've got Lawrence with me this week. Uh, are you there, Lawrence? Yeah, good morning, mate. How are you doing, man? It's been a, been a while. We haven't spoken for a couple of weeks, so... Yeah, that's all good. You do your thing, I do my thing, and uh, yeah, it's going good. Except um, things changed again with my job, so um, <laughs> um, it's all good. I still have my work, but um, the new rules made uh, uh, forced us to close at five. And where I work um, at uh, this entertainment center, they start making money at five, so they decided to open only three days. But then uh, uh, an accident happened. Uh, there was a huge leakage which was a big problem for the whole um, place. So now they shut down the whole month. And um, I thought, more well, great, I have freedom. But since I have uh, contracts, I still have to come uh, do something. <laughs> but it's not like regular work, so it's going to be chill anyway. All right, so you just have, you have to report in and do whatever needs doing, in effect. Yeah, because the owners are pretty cool. They said we're not going to fire anyone. Uh, and I have a contract and two others. And we have to do chores, you know, clean up, uh, paint, uh, do anything. And uh, I only work three three or four days, so I have plenty of time now to do radio again. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So it's, uh, it's, it's, going to, it's tightening up in, in the UK again here as well. We've got to wear masks again. So things are starting to, starting to go into winter mode. We're just we're just getting ready to ruin Christmas again, basically. Yeah, it was so predictable. I I said it to a colleague already in the summer when I came and say, "You pay attention. In December we will close again." And he came to me. He said, "You were right. Yeah, of course, it's predictable. It's the same same thing over again. Now coming new viruses, of course. But anyway, um, it's your show. I'm not going to talk about it. So it's up to you. You're fine. We'll get this out of the way, and then we can talk about something else. Yeah, it's it's basically just flu season again. And they're, and they're they're rebranding the flu, so of course in flu season we're going to close down and have to wear masks because it's just a rebranded version of the flu. In my in my humble opinion, I'm not a medical expert, but uh, 
that seems to be what's happening. Yeah, it's just being used as an excuse. And uh, I mean, so many times, so many people have said that masks don't help. Uh, even the head here of the uh, Health Institute said it. Um, the, the health minister has said it, and still they do it. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's what it is. All right, switching topics then, now that we've got that out of the way, because we, we have to do 10 minutes, really, don't we? I'm, I've got to talk about it, you've got to talk about it. So if we get it out of the way in the first 10 minutes, and then move on to something else. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah. I'm on cause and effect. I'm, I'm struggling with uh, with causes of things at the moment in a kind of philosophical sense. So it's like, if I buy into germ theory, then the, the germ becomes the cause. And if I buy, buy into terrain theory, then the environment becomes the cause. And I don't really want to want to buy into either of them 100 percent. so i'm struggling i'm moving between the two i'm not convinced that the germ theory is accurate and i'm not convinced that the terrain theory is accurate either so i'm looking for another cause and uh i don't know where i'm going to settle on being another cause it might the whole thing everything might just be an emergent process of everything else in the end so there might not be a cause Anyway, that's yeah. kind of where I am. Yeah, I understand you. I can follow you. I didn't look too much into it. I'm also um, thinking that uh, we, our institutions got stuck. They thought they know, knew all the answers and they stopped searching, except for a couple of you, I guess. And uh, that's very dangerous because then you get stuck in the system and, uh, and, and the ideas and we, we don't uh, move on. And we should always move on, I think. We should always move to improve things and, and discover. And uh, discovering, I think, is eternal. So you, um, it's never, like what we talked about many times before, I've been thinking about it a lot, the, the kind of um, the mind um, the being undisturbed, basically, you know, and looking at things, uh, not um, setting them stuck, like this is it, and this is it forever. No, you know, you, we have to, look broader but um yeah i also not sure about it because i became a little bit less careful i was always very careful if i threw some if i dropped something at the floor i would throw it away immediately and uh, uh you know like if it was food and um you know i started to become a little bit more conscious that yeah of course you got, got to be careful but in how far is 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 uh yeah is it really what is the the cause that's affecting you? Is it germs? Is it indeed the environment? Is it something else? Is it? Uh, I I don't know either, exactly. So uh, do you have any uh, thought on this yourself? Well, I, I I don't really. I mean, I'm I'm my kind of thought process yesterday was based around. Oh, I can't. It's it's. I was having a cup of coffee yesterday in, in the Weatherspoons in the bar around the corner from me. And they do they do uh, bottomless cups of coffee so you can just top it up and say that stay there all day if you want to for like 99p, which is yeah. which is ridiculous because it's like well, you can only drink so much coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Once you've had three cups of coffee, there's nowhere else to put it. You know what I mean? You've run out of you've kind of run out of desire for coffee by that point. So they know people aren't going to stay all day, but. Uh, People do hang around. It's like it's right by the railway station, 
So it's a it's a stopping off point. This this bar's a stopping off point for people with suitcases. Ah, right, yeah. On the way into town, into their into their hotel or whatever. So there's a lot of people going up and downstairs dragging suitcases. I was sat at my table, just people watching, watching, watching everybody's kind of body language and and tuning in a little bit to the conversations around me, but not too much. And I had this thought process going on in my head about. Um, I made some notes. I've got notes in my jacket, but I can't be bothered to go and get them. Um, and I can't really remember what I was thinking about. But in, in the end, I was trying to work out whether whether the perception of danger is what allows the danger to be there. Hmm. So that 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 kind of, that thought kind of applies to terrain theory and germ theory because the perception of being vulnerable that maybe allows it's the thought about being vulnerable that allows the possibility of germ theory to exist and allows the possibility of terrain theory to exist so obviously i'm struggling with both of those so i'm looking for an alternative that includes both of them but kind of lifts it up to a, a higher level yeah that's a heavy one. I I'm, I have not much looked into this. Um, uh, yeah, what comes to mind is that we are um, surrounded by all kinds of things in the environment. And, uh, I guess it, it shouldn't necessarily be a huge problem, I think, because um, uh, I think our bodies are made to withstand a lot. And, and we are part of the na natural world. We as human beings, we are not outside it. We, we're all part of it. So I think there's a natural response generally that's why your immune system starts to develop as a, when you're young there's a natural response coming up to deal with all this and uh, but yeah I, I don't really have a good um, view on this thing but I what I do want to mention shortly what I find interesting I listened once to a podcast that was about uh, dental health I'm also thinking about this there's a lot more happening than what they tell us and it is actually because a teeth, if you, tooth, if you think about it, a tooth has a, has a root. And if there's a root, this must be alive. And our teeth are also seen as just some object in our mouth. But they can self-heal. I, I was listening to this. And, uh, but now I'm switching a bit the topic. I don't want to <laughs> get you off topic. But uh, that was no, something all right, man. We'll, we'll jump around a little bit. Um, yeah, my, my thought process yesterday was that if, if my body's responding to the environment appropriately and that's that response includes getting sick and then going through a process and, and getting healthy again then then that's it's an appropriate behavior so it's not even really a disease mm -hmm. yeah so so a response to the environment just produces a process that moves out of equilibrium a little bit and then moves back into equilibrium, but we're labeling, labeling it as a disease and then getting hooked on the, the thought that the disease exists. But all we've done is we've labeled part of a process and then get hooked, got hooked on the thought. Yeah, exactly. It's a human interference. We have um, looked at it and we have determined what it is and 
we probably we see just a tiny spectrum of what it really is, and we we know we now know what it is. That kind of idea, right? Yeah, I mean, if if every time I felt a bit a bit woozy or a bit uh, not quite myself, I just went to bed for a couple of days, and then I get up and I sort myself out after a couple of days, then there would be no need to even label label that as a disease. It's just it's just it's just going to bed for a couple of days. Do you know what I mean? So the only yeah. the only thing that makes it a disease is the label that we're putting on it. Yeah, it's it's more it's rather more um, imbalance or or uh, disharmony. It just happens. It's like animals do that a lot too. When they're sick, they just they 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 stay still or they sleep, but they don't eat. And then, because your body usually naturally is always busy to keep you healthy. So so yeah. There must be something wrong, maybe, but the, the way we interpreted it, or deliberately, maybe it's being interpreted like this to keep you there. That could also be, I don't know. Well, that again becomes if if I buy into that idea that that somebody somewhere is manipulating language or manipulating ideas to to keep me in one place and keep me powerless. That's that's the vulnerability thought again coming up in a different form. So it's the thought that created the disease in a slightly different form. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So if 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 my kind of process is to let go of that thought, then it's it's not in my interest really to keep it in a different form. So I I'm not I'm not going to buy into the uh, the people manipulating behind the scenes unless there's good evidence for it, of course. Because uh, there are situations where people do that, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily buying into it as a general kind of automatic response. That's what I'm trying to say. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel that it is being done, but yeah, because uh, it could be, could, be, could be completely wrong. But and then again, it's not the point to focus on as well. You shouldn't you. Um, yeah, I played an interesting clip on my show with uh, Gurdjieff uh, talking about uh, self-observation and uh, always having one side of yourself looking into yourself and the other side looking outside of yourself, the both both the ways. So maybe that's also how uh, how this thing develops because we are, we are just living and breathing and sometimes you breathe things that are maybe um, not all that good for you, but your body... Uh, finds a way to deal with it again and then that process you don't feel good you become afraid you go to a doctor the doctor's gonna look at you he's gonna think he's gonna look up through all the theories or all the things they've gathered over the past 100 years or 300 years whatever and then they're gonna tell you well that's it where you just mentioned maybe if you just went to bed and took a rest don't eat too much um, drink a lot of water you'll be fine maybe you know so that then that whole process uh, could be skipped yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a video somewhere on YouTube. I found a video about three or four years ago. Can't remember the name of the guy now, but uh, it was a doctor who was in an Iranian prison, Iranian or Iraqi prison, and the only thing he had to work with uh, in this prison was was salt and water. Yeah, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, sorry yeah. for that. I know this guy. I discovered it a long time ago. He wrote, he wrote uh, great books, and he wrote a book. Um, you're not sick. You're thirsty. Yeah. Yeah, 
And I, I watched the videos. It's about three or four videos of him just like in two hour chunks talking about his experience in his prison. And he managed to he managed to sort a lot of things out that would normally be treated with pharmaceuticals or whatever, just with just with salt and water. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I've watched this a long time ago and he, he described it. He said that um, it had to do with being um, dehydrated, not having enough water. And then the the thing was that also your cells are being dehydrated. So and he was saying that cells, certain cells are scanning the body for diseases. And if they become dehydrated, the scanning process becomes less good. And that's why you add the salt, because that keeps the water in the cells. That was what he was uh, talking about. Right, so, so that, that's kind of a completely subconscious process that would produce, um, if, you, if, you're, if you're starting to get dehydrated, it's a, it's a subconscious thing. You don't notice really until, until it becomes like a dry mouth or dry eyes or whatever. But there's a process that leads up to that where where you, you could just be drinking something and you'd never get to the point where you've got dry eyes or a dry mouth. And I'm, I'm now wanting to get a glass of water because I'm talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll wait until the break. Yeah, water is, is good anyway because most of the body is water. But then again, I knew this about this. And then I was watching a, a documentary on uh, Wim Hof because he was not only doing cold training, he was also somewhere in the Sahara <laughs> doing a running test. And he was on Joe Rogan and they asked him, um, like, uh, oh, you must have drank a lot of water before you start running. Huh? He said, no, I drank two cups of coffee. <laughs> and then he started running in the desert heat and he lost about what uh, lots of water by sweating and uh, and he was fine. So then you think, OK, but that's still, yeah, I don't know how to explain that. But uh, it means the body is capable of much more and, and water is, of course, very important. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was funny when I saw that interview. It made me think again. Like, huh, okay, water is important, but apparently uh, you can do a lot more even if you don't drink that much. So that again is the it's the it's the vulnerability thought, isn't it? If I'm vulnerable to being dehydrated, is that what creates the dehydration or contributes to it or whatever? Yeah, exactly. It seems then uh, that. No, that even you, your thought processes are interfering in the in the, and then we come back to what we were talking about the the the, the disturbance of of the mind basically the disturbance of of being we are constantly I'm I'm since we had those talks I've been thinking about it more and I see it more clearly but all these teachers that I listen to whether it's Gurdjieff or Krishnamurti or uh, or um, uh, um, Muti did I put on uh, did, and the end. I figured out they're all talking about the same thing and it's being basically being right here right now undisturbed not make your thoughts tomorrow or yesterday you're you're really here in the in alive without disturbance of the minds so that's the trick i feel and I, I think that ties in with what we are talking about the mind is undisturbed full attention you're full aware and um therefore not um directly influenced or maybe influenced but not it doesn't affect you so much yeah i think it's the, it's it's like it's always getting getting the attachment 
in the wrong place, in like the, the previous place, rather than the here and now place. And I think that's kind of what it's about. It's getting getting attached to thoughts, getting it attached to um, assumptions. My my big thing yesterday was uh, um, the assumptions that that are behind my thought process, which is why I keep coming back to this assumption that, of vulnerability, this assumption of of things not being right or things being um, inappropriate. Because the, the question of vulnerability, the question of uh, is it possible for something in the world to disturb me or in the, is it possible for some somebody in the world or something in the world to to make me sick only exists if I, if I allow that thought to be there. Yeah, I think so too. But um, yeah, you, you, you must really, uh, I think, this correct this whole self-observation thing because if you if people start to mentally you know uh, stress you or the one one can deal better with it than the other but um, yeah you start then also messing with the thought process I guess and then and then it's really um, seeing how far um, you allow that but that takes a very deep state of awareness I suppose yeah the other thing I was I then went back to it about an half an hour later, an hour later, because I, I got to the point where where I was having that kind of process going on, and then I was thinking, well, I'm judging, I'm judging disease as a bad thing, and is it really a bad thing? If it's just part of a process, then it's neither good nor bad. But I'm by having the thought about vulnerability, or by by having the conversation with myself, which effectively is what my thought process was yesterday. By having that thought and la- and labelling it as something I don't want, I'm labelling it as bad when it's not actually bad. So I was then I then got to the point where if if disease is a response, an appropriate response to to something in the environment or a, a, an appropriate response, then then everything about my body has to be okay all the time then there's no such thing as disease at that point there's no such thing as sickness at all it's just an appropriate response to to something that's happening yeah and then you could argue to let happen whatever happens in fact like in the plant world you have diseases and they can be completely destroyed and die off uh, and trees and all that and maybe with us it could be similar but our idea again about life is that we grow up and that we should at least reach the age of 70 or 80. And um, so maybe uh, the whole idea that disease or, or sickness can can uh, make an end to your human existence is maybe, it, I'll just take it to another side now, but <laughs> uh, could be um, something uh, considered without fear, maybe. You know, that's again thought if that was to happen, we can either argue like, oh, disease, you not, it's not disease and it will go away, or it can affect you so much that it may cost your life at some point. But then again, if the mind is not concerned about it, then there's really no problem. Yeah, I mean, we, we go, we, we have, 
we have like all sorts of things going on. I have all sorts of things going on in my body that I'm just not aware of, that my body just takes care of. So sometimes it goes in and out of balance. Sometimes there's the cancerous cells or whatever, and the body just takes care of them because it's what the body does. But then if I start to obsess about having cancerous cells in my body, that's that's a, that's an interference with a natural process. So I think a lot of a lot of what people are thinking about is is an interference with the process that will sort them sort them. So labeling something as a problem then becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It reminds me of um, have you ever heard this guy? This Japanese he's now dead. Uh, this Japanese um, scientist who discovered uh, uh, he he took water molecules and he froze them and then he exposed them to words and music and. Uh, with, with kinds of beautiful words and with beautiful music, it could make, create these beautiful crystals. And with like heavy uh, metal and, and, and negative words, it would create very ugly crystals or very out of balance crystals. And he also said in an interview once that uh, they asked if smoking is bad. He said, yeah, he said, well, smoking, of course, is not the most healthy thing habit, but he said the labeling on the packages itself warning about cancer and showing all these things. He said that makes it more cancerous than ever. So that's exactly what you were saying. Like, <laughs> that's an yeah. interesting uh, concept. Yeah, so then it so then it becomes an appropriate response. Do you so you can have an awareness that something might be not quite not quite good for you, it might be part of a process that needs to be sorted out, but also have an awareness that your body can sort it out. Yeah, and how often do you hear people say like, uh, "I knew this was going to happen to me"? They were already kind of programming themselves, themselves, or, or believing the labels that are attached to whatever it is. And uh, yeah, of course, then it becomes in the end a self-fulfilling prophecy that you, if you have uh, accepted that, it, it might happen. It, it may not if you're lucky, but it, 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 you can attract it for sure. Yeah, I've done that many, many, many times in my life, and it's. Uh... It's something you can use to your advantage, but it's also a disadvantage if it's if it's something that uh, like if you're obsessing about something. Like my podcast statistics, I obsess about them a little bit too much. But then I but then I hit my target. I hit the target that was in my head. So then I've relaxed about it since then. Um, but if that was but if I was obsessing about something being wrong with my body. In the same way that I hit my podcast target, would I hit my something being wrong with my body target? Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely possible. Uh, it, it has, yeah, again, I, I feel it has a lot to do with this state of uh, yeah, non-interference in a way. Also, whatever you do, the podcast, like. Uh, you do what you do, and you and you are your your own unique voice. And uh, whether the statistics work or not, yeah, it's a, it's a good indicator for sure. But I personally don't worry about that. But I can understand that that may maybe also um, um, make your um, performance maybe a little bit different. If you if you start to think like, hey, I need to reach a certain target, maybe you also uh, as a presenter do it different than that you would if you would be completely relaxed. Yeah, well, that, that's true enough. That's true enough. But it, it's the way I was trained. I've spent spent years in telesales with targets every week. So 
I know I, I know I'm gonna sit down and do what I need to do to get a get a podcast together if I've got a target to hit at the end of the week or I was doing monthly targets or whatever. But uh, or yeah, I only really had one. I only wanted to get to 100 subscribers. But uh, but actually, now that I've done that, that means I can take a month off, or I can yeah. just do do whatever I do for a month and not worry about it. Uh, and which one is this? On this one or on Podbean? On the Podbean one. Yeah, that's true. It's also it also helps if you take a course, if you take a target, and you want to course that. We all know that this works, you know, you, you, you work toward you work towards it and you and then you reach your goal for sure. It's it's not a bad way. But uh, it can be if if it's uh, yeah, it can affect also your performance. If this is in the back of your mind while you're doing it, it might uh, hold you back a bit little bit, maybe. Yeah, well, potentially, but then I go through I go through waves anyway. So like yesterday I put three things out and I'm on Sunday, I didn't do any. Well, I didn't do anything on the pod, on the pod bean cast. <clears throat> but I've now, I've now discovered. <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting uh, throaty. Mm-hmm. I've now discovered how to live stream on Odyssey, so I'm excited about that. Which means mm-hmm. that some of the energy that was going into the podcast on Podbean is now going into live streaming on Odyssey. So it's all, it's the same energy, but it's just been moved around a little bit. But um, would it not be um, good to stay on Podbean, or do you like the diversity to go to these different things, different shows, different uh, platforms? Well, it was annoying me that I couldn't work out how to do it. That's that's why I had to spend some time with it. Uh, and because uh, I've been looking at it and thinking, I need to be, I should be able to do that. It shouldn't be a reason why I can't do that. And I couldn't find a tutorial that explained it to me step by step. Because it's it's a tech it's a techie platform it's a, it's a platform for Odyssey is a platform that's designed by tech people who know about technical stuff, so they're not very good at tutorials. Um, <laughs> they just assume that people know things that that I don't know. So they would they were so the step at the beginning was was being kind of skipped over a little bit. People were saying it, but not not saying why why it was necessary or not saying anything about it really just kind of mention it and then passing and then moving on to the stuff that they're interested in which is the which is the techie stuff hmm. and i and i couldn't get past the first stage i've been like i've been sitting there with for three months going all right i've listened to these tutorials a couple of times i'm still not getting this so something's not right and it was annoying me so i had to figure it out so i'm gonna i'm gonna Obviously, I'd go back to Podbean and uh, make sure I do. Well, I've got two two scheduled shows, and then everything else isn't scheduled in because uh, I was doing too much scheduler. That's another thing that I do that I'm aware of that um that I let go of and then come back to is I because I've got the radio shows scheduled in. I then started the scheduling shows on Podbean, and I turned into too many. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that when you have uh, like a, a steady audience, I guess. You know, but I, I'm still, um, yeah, since the beginning, I uh, it depends a little bit on my time, of course. And uh, uh, and sometimes I don't want to be in the way of uh, other people I, I've got to know. And I'm hoping that uh, 
Um, other than that, I still don't have really a, a perfect time to do a show. Uh, when I work, I usually do it in the evening. And, uh, now that I'm off, I can do it in the morning or in the afternoon. I have a bit more energy. Uh, but I don't have a, a steady time. And the last two shows I did was in the evening. And then you have, uh, yeah, I have some people from the States that uh, like it. So they, they came in. That was nice. So you have... Um, you have a bit of an audience there so i thought well maybe i can stick to that time like what we do did with the laundry room at nine and that's a good time when you uh, have some people from the states but um yeah i, I don't do the I, I did it once sometimes if i know when the time is good i would also do more scheduling i would say okay that time and, but it can be tricky yeah yeah, I tried that. I, the The Sunday evening slot was the best slot that I found. That that slot where we used to do live from the laundry room was is, and I'm I'm going to bring that back. I think in January, where I just needed a break from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get to the I, I just get to the point where I'm I'm doing too much and I need to step back. So, but that was definitely the best slot. Yeah, I I think it was uh, it was going very well. It was um, yeah gaining some traction and. Uh, but I understand I'm open to anything. If, uh, if we can do it later, we can do it again. If we don't do it, so we don't do it. But uh, I thought it was going well. I was every week was different and had a good energy to it. Yeah, it's because Doctor Who started, and I wanted to start going to see movies and just doing doing other entertainment stuff that's like for me rather than doing a rather than making it a show. Yeah, that's what I like with you also. I mean, there's never any, what do you say, bad blood. You know, if you do something or you don't do something, I, I don't have a problem with it. I see it as a creative endeavor. So, um, you know, it's, it's an individual approach. And if you do something, you do it. And if, if we can do something together, great. And I'm never really upset about this. I, I just, I'm all open for, um, yeah, um, getting further in, in all kinds of things in life. Yeah, it's all just practice ultimately. It's like, well... And with that thought, I'm stopping it from being a real show, aren't I? But at the mo- at the moment, I suppose I'm still I'm still in practice mode on Podbean. I haven't really got into my stride, really. I'm I'm on my stride with with Revolution Radio because I've been doing that 18 months, and it takes me nine months to get really kind of to feel like I'm like I'm in and doing things properly, and I'm just coming up to about six months on Podbean, so. By January, I should probably be in a place in my head where I'm going, all right, I've, I've been through the gestation period and I'm, I'm ready to be born on there at that point. Yeah, I know what you mean. I I, I really don't think about it anymore. I, I started this year and then, yeah, like I mentioned before, it was only thanks to Eric who came into my show and he was kind of promoting me here and there. And then, uh, and um, so, I, I thought, oh, this is actually uh, interesting, and I kept going, and uh, until now, and yeah, I'm also, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's still not what I would like it to be, or I think it has some potential, but it's, but I don't have a fixed date. Like at that point, I should be good. I'm just gonna keep going, and and I think I'm, at one point I will just drop right into it. Suddenly, it's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, it took me it took me about a year of doing shows on Rev Radio before. I- before I started to just relax into it. Now I'm a bit too relaxed with it, but it's Christmas, so it is what it is until after Christmas now. 
I'm not stressing about any of it. But it took me, it literally took me about a year. And and then I took a three months break because I I got I got I hit a barrier after a year and I had to change the format of the the Saturday show to make it more entertainment based because I was doing uh, kind of new thought and manifestation and healing and that sort of thing. But I I got bored with it quite honestly. I've been doing that stuff for years and I can talk about it till the cows come home, but. I'd rather talk about other things that that I that I haven't been doing for years. Yeah, and also, of course, you you do it alone, man. Like me too. It is you don't have a team, you don't have uh, technical people helping you out. You know that's kind of difficult, also. You know, you I mean you always have to come up and always have to create the energy to do it. And, uh, that can be a little bit um, for me. I find it always. I never wanted to do it alone, but there was no one else to uh, to. Uh, yeah, online you can find people, but not in my direct environment to, to join me. And, uh, that's okay. But um, yeah, it would be nice sometimes to have somebody physically with you, to have a discussion or like this is always great, to have a, have a nice conversation. So that's also an element of it. And you seem to do a lot of different things, which is all good. Um, yeah, that, that can make it more complicated maybe if you have all these different um, channels and options, what you are doing. And then you stop something and you start something else again. It's all good. It's trial and error. But yeah, my point is, yeah, you do it always alone. You know, that can also be a little bit uh, difficult at times. Yeah, it's uh, which is why I mix it up a little bit because it gets a bit boring after a while. Uh, it's just it basically I get sick of the sound of my own voice sometimes. So I, I went through a phase where I was doing video, uh, like playing videos on the Saturday show. And and they started to take over, and I I lost kind of interest in talking on the Saturday show because I was using different videos to make the point that I would have made if I was talking. But now I'm back into talking more a little bit more. So it's all just and it all it was it all it is is a different ratio of of video to to me telling personal stories, and it it varies. I've noticed the. Quite often it's 20 minutes me and 40 minutes of video or 35 minutes of video. And that, that works as a, as a kind of ratio. And sometimes it's 40 minutes of me and 20 minutes of video. And that kind of works as well. Uh, and sometimes it's 50-50, which works in its own way. But it depends what what mood I'm in and how much, how many, I try and make it personal. But if I don't have a personal story to go with the video, then it becomes more video. And it's just a matter of mixing and matching, uh, depending on the mood I'm in and, and how many how much personal interest I've got and how much um how much of a story I can tell with with the theme. Sometimes I'm using using the video to to describe something that I've got a story about that I want to tell. And sometimes it's just something that occurred to me that I'm interested in, that I'm not personally invested in. So it varies a little bit, but it's uh, it's hit it's hit or miss to the extent that sometimes, sometimes I'm not personally invested in it enough. And I, and I notice the tone of my voice changes and I'm, I'm relying on video a bit too much. But then you have to have a rest every now and again. And you have to step back from it and not sometimes it's better to 
to be objective about it rather than having a personal investment in 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 the top the topic on the show or whatever. So it really depends on the on the week I'm having and the way my thought process is. I mean, at the moment I'm in a philosophical mode, whereas for about the last three or four weeks I've been doing like serious investigation into this virus and vaccine stuff. But I'm I'm ready to let go of that again now for a little while and then I'll come back to it. I found some good stuff last night though and then I, it was too good not to post. So I think that that's the approach I'm taking over over Christmas. It's just if I find something and it's too good not to post, then I'll do a show based based around it. Uh, but otherwise, I'll just let it go and and come back to it. I'll keep a I'll keep a list of uh, of videos that I might do a show about later on, and uh, just do them in January or February or whatever. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to do it. Uh, yeah, not being too stuck on uh, one thing also is uh, is good. I'm taking away like all all creative endeavors. Sometimes you need to step away from it and uh, let it just be. And then you come back fresh and um, with new energy and to to do it again. And yeah, that's also what I mean. If you're doing it alone, it's all you. And um, and that's all that can be good. Some people prefer that, but. Yeah, it, it can be a bit tiring and uh, yeah, your voice can become tired and the, the topics can run out and sometimes you don't have enough info yourself on a topic, then it would be good if you have someone else who knows more or can jump in. And it's also sometimes for me when you do articles, it's not easy to read, you know, reading, talking and reading and uh, do that within a whole hour or two hours is quite, uh, it's quite a challenge. And then you can play a video, uh, these kind of things move it around uh, and then of course yeah like you said you have some things you have to invest in or you know more or you're passionate about and then you share this and uh, I think it's all good even if it's just one person who uh, you reach with it it's, it's, it's still worth the effort yeah well it, it goes down the feedback it gets reasonably good it's not to me to me I'm I, I'm critical of, of what I do so I'm I've I've stopped listening to the shows now, and I've stopped editing out, editing out all the mistakes and the uh, the technical issues that go on, and I'm just posting them for the moment. I mean, I'll get back to it, and I'll t- I'll maybe if there's a huge technical issue, I might take out the silence or take out the uh, the me gibbering on to cover it every now and again. But I'm not too worried about it now. Whereas before, I was trying to make it I was trying to make it like as as close to perfect as I can get it, and it's not possible. With with Skype, it's just not technically possible to get it perfect because it's the nature of the beast that there's always going to be technical issues. Yeah, Skype is tricky. That's true. I don't do um, editing, and that gives you also yeah. Once you do something, you have to be on your best basically. But um, um, also, I, I it takes me. Uh, yeah, I have not enough patience sometimes to go back and then fix everything. And uh, but uh, maybe they will come in the future. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, piece of work to to find your your way and to have the right energy to do things and the right topics. And uh, yeah, for me, uh, like I said, I, I 
I like sometimes I like to do my own thing, but it would be nice if if you have also someone physical with you and you have two microphones and you can look at it and the other person can look at it from a different perspective and can sometimes fill in when you are yeah when you are uh, have a, having a blank or when you get tired or you don't know enough about the subject. So that that's also very helpful. And then maybe someone else can when you're busy they can look a little bit at the technical issues if they arise. So. So sometimes it would be nice uh, to, to not have to do it all alone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find these are really, these conversations that I'm having on Tuesdays are really helpful just because it's a different approach, and I'm getting I'm getting out what I need to get out a lot a, a, a bit more I think on the Tuesday than I am on the Saturday. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm there's much more of me in, in I'm much more invested in Tuesday. Than I am Saturday, but they've all the the different formats have got have got plus points and negative points. So it's just a matter of uh, finding, yeah. I, I mean, there are certain things that I would tackle on Saturday that I that that I don't really take the conversation on a Tuesday, and I'm wondering whether I'm whether we need to include those or whether well with Joel with Joel here it's always going to end up in philosophy. And, and psychology, which which is good because I like to have those conversations. Uh, but I'm wondering if we can take it in an, in other directions as well. Uh, I probably need to invite some some people who are a bit more uh, a bit more political or a bit more kind of in the world, so that we can have those conversations as well. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm not. Uh... When Joel is here, he's very good with this. He, he's a good philosopher and knows how to uh, bring forward a topic and all that. And that's not really my strength, but uh, it always gets to a much deeper level there. That's true. And uh, for me, I, I, I'm usually back to this kind of talk where you talk more about uh, your personal experiences. And uh, um, so for me, it's a little bit hard to stick to that topic. But I, I'm, I did, um, I did find a. I don't know if that's okay. I found here, uh, um, it may tie in this this video clip from this Japanese uh, doctor uh, um, talking that water has a memory. Um, so I just looked it up quickly. I thought maybe that uh, that can tie in with the idea of, uh, of uh, yeah, how that how sickness can arise or not, or if it's real or if germs are real at all or not. Yeah, I think it's keywords. Everything seems to work on keywords for me. So if if my mood is kind of positive, then um, then it. I think it's if the key if there's another keyword in the environment, if the if the environment's a little bit less positive, and uh, and I allow the influence in, that's the equivalent of what that guy was doing with the water, isn't it? It's allowing allowing the thoughts in produces produces a change in the in the water. Yeah, you're a part of it. Yeah, this this tiny clip is like uh, three minutes, but I'm not as you're sure I'm not allowed. I'm not sure if you <laughs> want to let somebody else play something, but uh... yeah, we can do we can do it in in the second hour. That's fine. Um, I'll have a look on YouTube because I, I can't remember his name, but it, it just put memory of water into YouTube, which should come up. 
Yeah, I have here water has memory, and then Dr. Masaru Emoto's water experiments. That's uh, they're talking. Does human thoughts and emotions have an impact on water? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll set that up for the second half, and we'll we'll have a conversation about that specifically. Yeah, that looks. Uh, I I found that years ago, and uh, was very fascinating to me. I thought, hmm. And now now we come to this topic, and uh, it seems to have a uh, it ties in. Yeah, do you want to? Just spend, spend, we've got about a, a couple of minutes. Do you want to tell people where they can find you online while I, while I remember? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, on Podbean doing my show, The World Gone Mad. I'm just usually reading some um, articles that I find um, important from around the world. And it's mostly the Western world still, but uh, I try to find what is needed. Uh, and I play some clips there. And uh, that's still my main show. I, I would like to do more different things, but this is the... The, the main thing that I'm doing, so the world gone mad on Podbean, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just my idea, and it's uh, what I put out there. The things that I find important is mostly done a little bit out of concern, but um, it's not. I'm not saying this is all the truth. I'm just pointing out things that I find, uh, yeah, rather, um, yeah, upsetting and even a little bit dangerous, and and uh, yeah, everybody has to make up their own minds. Uh, but I do it mainly because I find it very concerning, a lot of things that happen. And, uh, that's it. But I also try to move at the end of it towards a more uh, yeah, learning curve, more spiritual insights. I always try to do that at the end so that it's not just about politics. It's more about, in the end, uh, about ourselves and, and discovering and finding, finding the truth within ourselves, whatever it is. All right, that's the break. So we'll be back in three or four minutes and uh, I'll set that memory uh, of water video up and we'll, we'll have a talk about that. All right. Look, thanks, Lauren. No worries. of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm Steve Crawford, host of Factor Theory Live. Join me every Sunday night from 10 p.m. till midnight Eastern Standard Time on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Check it out. Enter into a world unseen on Raven Star's Witching Hour. You 
will encounter eclectic topics from the realm of spirit brought into our matrix of truth. With your host, the Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris will bring you an array of unique guests covering topics from ghostly spirits to amazing anomalies, covert technology, UFOs, and shadowy global events. And that's right here at Revolution Radio Freedom Saturdays, midnight till 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Let the magic rise. Galactic Interstellar Council on Revolution Radio Studio A, Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Join us as we traverse the Starseed Paradigm. As expressed in the time-space continuum that we know as the divine expression of love and light. Integrating this conscious unity into the galactic paradigm. So welcome all, both terrestrial beings and galactic beings as one. So be it. You're listening to Revolution Radio. tried for years and years to use passive resistance and loud voices to make a change. The time is over. Your governments around the world have no other goal than to decimate your entire existence at the hands of the bankers and the elites. The war is coming and it's your choice to decide if you want to be a warrior or a victim denial is not a choice anymore revolution radio freedomslips.com the number one listener supported radio station on the planet not giving up revolution radio Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. All right, so welcome back to the Free Association Roundtable. Um, we're just letting it flow today. It's myself uh, in Newcastle and Lawrence in Amsterdam. Um, I'm just going to let, I'm going to play this video. I've posted it in the chat room. Um, but I'm going to let it play for about 15 minutes, which gives me a chance to put the kettle on and uh, and sort myself out a bit. And then we'll have a conversation again. Um, 
So I'll just set this away. Let me share my screen. Water. Water. The most common substance on Earth. It is with us every moment of our lives. But do we know the secrets of this amazing element? Where did it come from? Who bestowed water on our planet? And why? The only such planet in the universe. Perhaps only water itself knows the answers to these questions. There is just as much water on Earth today as there was when everything began when the world was born and acquired the shape and sensations we know so well. So what we did was what we always do here, do very careful work in a narrow field. So we said, let us focus on water but we will look at it from many angles. In the Holy Scripture, water is more than simply a physical substance. It is a certain concept, and that concept is connected in a special way with the idea of life. Nothing in the world is softer and more yielding than water, yet it wears down the hard and strong and none can overcome it, though anyone can conquer it. That which is yielding conquers the strong, and the soft overcomes that which is hard. Everyone knows this, but no one dares to live by it. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu wrote about water 2,500 years ago. I mean, water as such has been extensively studied. I mean, it is, it is well known that water has unusual properties, physical chemical properties, when compared to other liquids. No scientist has been able to explain, for example, why water's density increases below the freezing point 
and becomes less above freezing. Any substance contracts when it is cooled, but water does the opposite. It expands. People learned to exploit this unique property in the distant past. Inhabitants of the far north would quarry stone by pouring water into the cliff face crevices before the frosts came. In the south, people pounded wooden wedges into cracks in the rock and then doused them with water. As they swelled, the wedges would break the stone. Much later, scientists established that water in pores and capillaries is capable of creating enormous levels of pressure. In a seed, for example, it reaches 400 atmospheres at the moment of germination. That's why a plant shoot can break through asphalt with ease. It's such a small molecule as well. Um, it, it, it is very specific that these properties are, are of water. Um, and you won't, you won't find other molecules that have, that have all of the similar anomalies. Even if a single one of these anomalies were missing, life itself would not exist on the planet. Every one of water's properties is unique, and they do not easily fit into the generally accepted laws of physics. Science has not yet been able to answer the question of why water is the only substance on the planet that can exist in three states, liquid, solid, and gaseous. Why does water have the highest surface tension of all liquids? Why is it the most powerful solvent on Earth? And how, in defiance of the Earth's gravity, is water able to rise through the trunks of gigantic trees against tens of atmospheres of pressure? We have taken a great step forward. We have really understood that we know almost nothing about water. Therefore, it is a great step because this realization is followed by the desire to find something out. Southeast Asia. The year is 1956. The place is a secret military laboratory for developing and producing weapons of mass destruction. Work has been underway here for several years on a powerful new generation of bacteriological weapon. The scientists are discussing what properties this weapon should have at one of their protracted secret meetings. Suddenly, the session breaks off. All of the participants are taken to the hospital with symptoms of severe food poisoning. An investigation into what happened quickly hits a dead end. The scientists had consumed nothing except water from the carafes on their table. The water was tested. No harmful additives were found. Its chemical composition was H2O. And that's what the report said. Poisoning caused by ordinary water. Twenty years later, a fantastic hypothesis was put forward. A hypothesis that could explain water's unpredictable behavior. Water has memory. Experiments done in many countries around the world have shown that water receives and makes an imprint of any outside influence, remembering everything that occurs in the space that surrounds it. Any substance coming into contact with water leaves a trace in the water. Had our ancestors guessed this when they used silver vessels to turn ordinary water into healing water? 
it is today the best antibiotic that is made as good in Afghanistan and Iraq. The American army uses this water, one atom per hundred million, to kill all the germs in a wound. So the president of the United States uses this water to keep infectious uh, bugs from his hand. So I said, how can this water be? As it records information, water acquires new properties, yet its chemical composition remains unchanged. So their theory was the chemical composition of the water is important. Now the sensational news is that that is nonsense. The structure of water is much more important than the chemical composition. The structure of water means how its molecules are organized. We can see how water molecules join together into groups. These are called clusters. Scientists came up with the idea that these clusters work as memory cells of a certain sort, in which water records the whole history of its relationship with the world, as if on magnetic tape. People don't think when you turn on the light, the water is changing. When you turn on the electric field from the power lines, the water may change. So that is the direction of research. The water, of course, remains water, but its structure, like a nervous system, reacts to any irritation. Modern instruments have made it possible to record the fact that within each of water's memory cells, there are 440,000 information panels, each of which is responsible for its own type of interaction with the environment. If you consider a cluster as a group of specific molecules, um, then it can survive only a short amount of time. But if you consider it as a structure whereby molecules can leave and other molecules come in, the cluster can last effectively for a very long time. The stability of the cluster structures confirm the hypothesis that water is capable of recording and storing information. It may be the single most malleable computer, which can, it's like a computer memory. It's the memory of information. We must know how it is arranged. It is like the alphabet. If I give you the alphabet, you don't know a word, you don't know a letter, you don't know a sentence. So the molecular structure is the alphabet of water and you must make a sentence out of water, and you can change the sentence. In the winter of 1881, the sailing ship Laura was on a course from Liverpool to San Francisco. On the third day of the voyage, a fire broke out on board. Among those abandoning ship was the captain, Neil Carey. The water supply soon ran out, and the crew experienced the torments of thirst growing by the hour. Later, when they reached shore safely after three terrible weeks adrift at sea, the captain, a man with a very level-headed attitude towards events, described what had saved them. We were dreaming of fresh water, he said. 
we began to imagine that the water around the lifeboat was turning from ocean blue to the greenish hue of fresh water. I summoned up my strength and scooped some up. When I tasted it, the water was fresh. Well, take a famous event, when Jesus Christ turned water into wine. He didn't add some sugar or lactose, but he imparted an absolutely special property to the water. We have carried out many experiments on the effect that quite diverse factors have on samples of water. Magnetic fields, electrical fields, various objects, and also including a human presence and human emotions. And it became clear that positive and negative human emotions are the strongest element of influence. Professor Korotkov's laboratory has conducted numerous experiments on the effect of human emotions on water. A group of people were asked to project onto a flask of water in front of them very positive emotions like love, tenderness, and concern. Then, the flask was replaced with another one, and the people were asked to project emotions of a different type. Fear, aggression, hatred. After this, measurements were taken on the samples. The water exhibited changes that were clearly in one direction or another. So love increases water's energy levels and stabilizes the water while aggressive emotions reduce the energy and make radical changes in the water. I hope to show people through my research that water has a memory of its own. Dr. Emoto's laboratory does research on water samples, which are subjected to various forms of outside influence. The impressions made upon the water are recorded by swiftly freezing it in a cryogenic chamber. This is what water heated in a microwave oven looks like. This is the effect of a mobile telephone. Somebody said thank you to this water. Excuse me. You disgust me. With modern technology, it is possible to structurize water artificially. When seeds were grown under laboratory conditions using this kind of water, the soy sprouts had six times greater photon radiation than when ordinary water was used. Using structurized water makes vegetables ripen faster and increases the amount of useful microelements and vegetable proteins several fold. If we look all right, I think that's probably a good place to stop that. That's about fifth. That's almost exactly fifteen minutes in. So um, yeah, my timing's pretty good at the moment. I'm uh, I'm finding natural breaks and natural uh, natural points to to move things on. Are you still with me, Lawrence, or have you wandered yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So I was thinking about when he was thinking about the. The way that emotion affects water, it's like if you, you can do that on you can do that with a glass of water or you can do it with a human body in effect, because 
we were made up of a, a good proportion of water. So if if my if my if the water in my body is bombarded by propaganda for eighteen months, telling me that the world's a place to be frightened of, and that I need to stay inside and and do all these things that we've been told for the last eighteen months, how does that affect the water in my body? Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. that's my question. And if it's if it's affecting the water in my body in the same way as it affects the the water in the immortal experiment, then it's in my interest to stay away from that kind of thought process. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, then, then of course you get into the question of programming. I suppose it's 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 um, <clears throat> you're being basically programmed, and without you knowing actually, and then uh, the the water has changed. But now, of course, the good thing is you can change it again once you become aware of it yourself. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thing. So also, where I was thinking like to be um, uh, to be passive to it all um, may not may then also come into question because if water can change and you stay passive to it and the water has already changed through whatever propaganda, um, then it would require, I guess, an, uh, to uh, have a different. Uh, mindset about it instead of being passive yeah it's exa- that's exactly right so instead of absorbing uh, information from the environment it then becomes a more conscious process to put the in- put the information in that you want to have there so that and that that's a reflection of in part not totally but it's a, a reflection in part of how much you value your own consciousness how much how much self-worth you have in effect if it's not in my interest to to be passive and have all these things in the environment influence me then it and it is in my it is it is, it is in my own self in, in interest to generate the feeling and the thought process and the influence on the on the boat the water in my body that i want to have in there that's that's positive for me. That's that's a reflection of my own self worth, in effect. Yeah, absolutely. And then we get to the beautiful point that also uh, we have also responsibility because if I say terrible things to you and be very violent and rude, that it, it will affect you then also. And if I am sincere and say, hey, I really wish you the best, it will also bring a change about, even without you uh, realizing. Yeah, I mean, I've, this week in particular, I've been very, very sensitive to to things that are happening on Facebook, which I'm not usually, but for some reason, over the weekend, I was being being quite uh, sensitive about it, and I've blocked a couple of people that I probably wouldn't normally have blocked, but I just ran out of patience with them, mm-hmm. and decided that uh, it's not not the type of energy that I want to have in my environment. So I'm I'm being much more selective. About who I spend time with, online and and in person, and what type of conversations I'm I'm having with people, and what type of thought processes are going on. I know the thing that they said about the structure of the structure of the water, and what we what I was describing in the first hour was the structure of my thought process. So I think one one influences the other. 
in this case, the thought influences the water. So it's, it's in my best interest to know what the structure of my thought process is, to know what the assumptions are that I'm making about the world and about my place in the world and about how it all works. And, uh, and to get that as much as possible working in my favour and in the favour of all the people around me that I'm interacting with. Uh, and we all, we're all different, so we've all got different approaches. And I'm not saying anything is necessarily bad about another approach. I'm just uh, being more selective about the approach that I want to have for myself. Yeah, that's good. And, and yeah, for me too, it's like when I deal with uh, people or colleagues, uh, I can sort of sense already like this person is open for this kind of information and another is not. So I usually only discuss certain matters with people who I feel are open for it and, and listening to it and then it will also work and then with other people there's just at least on that level not much to talk about because you, they're just not they're in a different state and that's all okay but then it's like uh, television too I don't watch it actually only when I'm with family and they have it on and then you immediately feel its effect it's this, this energetic effect of a television as soon as it's on you're you're focused on it and the so uh, it's, it becomes definitely an interesting thing where they say that you are definitely uh, interacting with, with your surroundings now through this kind of uh, um, information we just shared here. It's just, I find it very fascinating to realize, hey, wait a minute, we actually do playing along with this. We have an influence uh, and we are connected to it, all of us. We all have water, we all have water in our body, so we're all connected to it and we all have a response and an understanding needed uh, in and then the whole communication will I guess if you go deep enough into it will change as well once you realize the, the matter of it yeah um, I think we'll, we'll play another 10 minutes or so and then we'll come back and have another another conversation I'm just gonna it's an hour and a half video I think an hour and 25 minutes so we're not going to get through it all but we might be able to get through another 10, 15, 20 minutes of it if we do it in 10 minute chunks or whatever. So we'll, yep. I think we'll just we'll just do that. Here we go. Sounds good. Look at the shoots. The treated ones were long, even, and strong, while the untreated ones were short, thin, and weak. If we look at the plants today, those from the selected seeds have all ripened, but the ones from non-selected seeds have not. We have to say that using structurized water really does affect the growth of vegetables and fruits. For the purposes of irrigation, 20% less of this type of water is needed than when using ordinary water. No fertilizer was added to the soil or the water. The chemical composition remained the same, H2O. The only thing that had changed was its structure. At the present time, scientists can answer the question of how this happens, but science does not yet have an answer to the question of why. Depending on age, a human being is made up of 70 to 90% water. An adult drinks approximately 2.5 liters of water each day in order to sustain his normal life functions. Another 1.5 liters is absorbed through the skin during bathing or showering. Water makes a long and difficult journey before arriving in our homes. It used to be common knowledge. 
that a settlement could only occur where there was a natural source of water. Today, whether or not there is water in a place is of no importance because we transport water for thousands of miles using high pressure. In nature, rivers and streams always flow along a smoothly curving course. But any water supply system has multiple right angle turns. The natural structure of the water breaks down more and more with each such turn. Water from a water supply system which flows into our homes through pipes has various forms, crystals of various forms, but they are all deformed. That is, it may look like this. It can look like this or have these crystals in many other arrangements, but you won't see any symmetry or beauty. Water that flows in a floor panel heating system is devitalized and rotten. It sucks energy out of the people, plants, and animals living in that house. It actually steals the energy. It is well known that the water supply in many large cities is a closed loop system. After undergoing aggressive chemical purification and passing through powerful filters, the water in these systems is returned to our homes, still remembering the chemicals and the violence it was subjected to. Even stronger, however, is the informational pollution that the water accumulates as it flows down miles of long pipes through thousands and thousands of houses and apartments. We pollute water spiritually, and this happens on a huge scale. Why? The water adopts all of the hatred, all of the malice, the stress. The water is almost dead by the time it enters our body. Our Earth is a gigantic container of water in which all forms of life arose. And every living thing is itself essentially a container of water. With modern technologies, we can reach far into outer space. And as we attempt to discover life on other planets, the first thing we look for is water. There is no life on Earth without water. And one of the big questions is whether or not, in case that there should be comparable life on other planets, this would also be based on the presence of water. There is strong belief that the first living organisms were in the water, and only much, much later did organisms develop that could live outside of the water. I don't think that this is at all a coincidence. It is absolutely no accident that the opening lines of the Bible mention water, where it talks about the creation of the world, of life, and of man. It has to do with water first and foremost.
Like sculptures that have not yet been created are present in a piece of clay, so the images of all future living organisms were present in the water. Water merely brought to life a pre-existing conception. But for any process to begin, requires an impulse. Wise men of ancient times believed that the impulse for life to arise was a primordial divine spark. This spark imprinted in the water the sequence of future development. The entire course of evolution provides evidence of this. Every species of living being, from the simplest bacteria to mammals, strove to achieve its own perfection. Science most likely will never find out the exact process by which Adam was created, what went with what and in what proportions. But the Quran, for example, says that water played a part in this by the will of God. I, th I think that scientists should look more closely at how water interacts with their molecules. At a molecular level, it creates the structure of DNA. We wouldn't have the DNA helix without water. It creates the structure of proteins, so our bodies wouldn't work um, without the water. Every seed, every embryo begins its life exclusively in water. Amniotic fluid plays a role in the embryo's development and preservation. It is the surrounding water, like a universal computer, that reveals any biological program. And thus water is also the only thing that can change it. The preacher wrote long ago, is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of the hazel and chestnut tree and pilled white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had pilled before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, and the flocks conceived before the rods, and brought forth cattle, ring-straked, speckled, and spotted. We subjected water to super-weak magnetic field impulses. These fields are tens of thousands of times weaker than the Earth's natural magnetic field. That means they are negligibly small from the standpoint of modern science. Fish were introduced into water that had been treated in this way, and the fish soon produced an unusual hatch of small fry. They differed radically from other fish to which they were related, though they looked as much alike as twins. Gray stripes appear on the belly of all these males at once, along with colored spots, which had not been observed previously. These are called phenotype changes, and it is of fundamental importance that these changes appear not just in some of the treated fish, but in all of them at the same time. And these phenotype changes that we caused are not a hypothesis, 
They occurred in practice. The experiment resulted in changes not only in the outward appearance of the fish, but also in their behavior. They began to react to outside stimuli in the same way. It was as if the whole school had acquired a collective mind. A whole important area of problems came up, which had not been studied whatsoever. Therefore, it was decided that it would suffice to establish even just the fact that behavior could change the form of animals using only water, which fact, in and of itself, is very significant. If water has such a strong effect, that is, we shouldn't make it public without thoroughly studying this. All right, so um, that what they're saying there is uh, is that water is con is consciousness. Effectively, water is mind, and the the link is the physical link is the the physical structure of the water that then produces the changes in the in this case the the behavior of the fish or whatever. So the, that's that's how the link happens, and so that makes that makes sense to me because it's. It's effectively that's that's what Rupert Sheldrake's saying with his theory of morphogenic fields, isn't he? I don't know whether you know anything about Rupert Sheldrake, but uh, he's been banging on about morphogenic fields for about thirty years, and people think it's abstract. But if it's actually if the morphogenic field is the structure of water, then it would make sense. It would make sense if it's the structure of the water in your body or something like that, or some mechanism that acts in the same way. I don't know, I'm speculating a little bit, but what do you think, Lawrence? Um, yeah, I know Rupert Sheldrake. I don't know this um, particular uh, theory very well, uh, but um, I'm just looking at it from my own uh, point of view. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, 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 I find it fascinating what he said, when, when you suddenly all reach a, a connectiveness that... Uh, and also the response, uh, of course, being stimulated by uh, by the energetic field. So if then all these things, all these spiritual principles, but with the rising of vibration of the earth, the human will change. It will all make sense also. And um, um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel this is definitely you can you can test this. We know all this. You know how how it feels when people speak to you aggressively or kind you know it, it brings about a change so so um yeah i guess i guess that theory if you add water like you said i don't know the theory very well i haven't looked into it so much but i guess um um with water then it would make sense um as if you use that as a as a what they're showing you here it's, it's amazing yeah, it could potentially tie into epigenetics as well. If there's a if there's a link between, well, say this this guy's saying that, that effectively there's a link between the electromagnetic field of the Earth and kind of localized variations in the electromagnetic field. That that might might explain some of the epigenetic changes that that happen with people where. Diseases are switched on and off, or or, or whatever. But then again, I'm letting disease into my consciousness, and I don't want to do that. 
So all of these things you have to be careful about a little bit. I'm trying to be a bit more aware of if I'm looking for a mechanism and uh, somebody comes up with a, a theory about structure of water that then becomes a mechanism for for disease to happen, then mm, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a good idea to buy into it. I can, I can play with the ideas. I'm quite happy to play with the ideas on the radio or in a discussion group or whatever. But I don't necessarily want to let let in that let that mechanism in as a mechanism for disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously, it works both ways. You can raise consciousness by using the same process. So I don't know. There's a there's a potential that if you let them, if you allow the mechanism in, you have to accept the possibility of of a disease process as well as a consciousness raising process and uh, I've struggled, I struggle with that a little bit but obviously we're just playing with the idea so I'm not letting anything in just by talking about it or in a two hour block because I'm I'm going to let, let, let the idea go unless it comes up again when I'm in Weatherspoons with a cup of coffee this afternoon at which, <laughs> at which point I'll think about it again. But uh, if it does, then that's part of my process, isn't it? So, sure. Um, obviously, I'm I'm involved in this thought process for a reason. I mean, I've, I've been involved in this kind of thought process for many years, and uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna restrict the the ideas that I think about, but I'm also quite aware of whether I'm hanging on to them or whether they've got a a mechanism attached to them that that could potentially be a, a negative for me or a positive for me or whatever. There's all, there's all sorts of other things that go with the idea that aren't just the idea. Yeah. Well, just for for, for my thoughts about this, um, if, if I take this information and, and take it to the sort of conspiracy idea that uh, that you see that electricity is being used everywhere now um, your Wi-Fi and your phone and, and 4G, 5G and, and the conspiracy says that that can be a tool that harms you which would make then sense with this theory and also at the same time gives you then the opportunity to say hey wait a minute it's, it's only working because I'm not aware of it um, that's what popped up with my with me when I heard all this, and I, I started to link all these things together. And one other thing, um, I was listening to the South Osman show once. It was also about water, and he also mentioned that uh, tap water is basically like tortured water. You know, you're drinking tortured water in a way. So there's two different things here now. But um, so the first thing was my first thought was, hey, all these. Conspiracies would make sense if, if 5G is dangerous or all this electro, electronic uh, magnetic created field around us, not the Earth one, the ones created, would influence us then. The positive thing is we are not aware of it, that's why it's working. And then the other thing, the idea what I heard on the South Osman show about water being tortured coming out of you know, the tap. And so those two things popped up actually when I was listening to this. 
Yeah, no, it's it, we're back to the again. I'm back to the idea of of a, allowing a vulnerability, allowing a a possibility of influence from an external mm-hmm. process, and I'm. Yeah, they're obviously I'm part of the world, so I'm going to be influenced to some extent, either positively or negatively, or or maybe an influence is just an influence, and I don't need to worry about whether it's positive or negative too much because it's part of a process. So the same thing that I said about disease earlier on applies to to how the consciousness of water would interact within my my body or whatever. It's just part part of a let's just say we. We, we call it part of a natural process and the influence is the influence. It's neither good nor bad. And uh, it all depends on whether my consciousness has the possibility of being vulnerable in it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I think it's a good point. Uh, the only thing, listening to this kind of switches it a little bit that if, if if this kind of thing is programmed if you if you can be programmed then you send a signal uh you you become programmed unaware so then then being passive about it would not help that's what i uh, kind of thought of like oh then 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 it wouldn't work then you it does require a little bit of uh, being aware and um and either uh, change it or or maybe, or maybe actually, to not being to being absolutely passive to it, that the programming also wouldn't work. Then I guess, but um, yeah. But it's a good point not to have any outside uh, uh, thing interfere with you. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I if I if I spent my life in in an environment that's potentially potentially going to influence me in a way that maybe could be perceived as being negative. And if I'm in that environment and just focusing on joy and health and and life as much as I possibly can, then there's no way, because I, because of the influence that that thought would have on the, the water in my body, there would then be no way for the outside world to influence me, though, would there? Yeah, exactly. I was listening once to an uh, interview with a uh, hypnotherapist, and uh, and uh, he also said something like this: He didn't worry about 4G or 5G. He said, you know, that the body will uh, adjust and will not really. He wasn't worried about it. So, and it also reminds me of uh, what Krishnamurti once said: that there is no, there's no authority outside yourself. So then it comes. It's the same thing, basically. You know, you you don't interfere. It's, <laughs> really nothing that can harm you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I see in the world is is a projection of me anyway. So if if what I'm seeing in the world is is a projection of a part of me that's hostile to myself, then the way to deal with that would be to, to dig into my subconscious and find the part of me that's hostile to myself and then sort that out. Yeah. And that that would solve the problem of, of a perception of the world as hostile. I don't know. It's yeah. a, it, it's a big ask. It might take twenty years, but I've been working on it for twenty three years, and I still haven't found everything. <laughs> no, no, we'll never find everything. But that's the, the journey. That's the, the way I approach it. It's a, it's a it's a 
we're on the highway. We're always on the highway, and you always you stop left, you stop right, but you keep going. You know, you're, you're never quite there. But that makes it fascinating and fresh. You, know, you always keep discovering, and uh, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, you have also discovered lots of things in all those years, obviously. Yeah, I've discovered a lot of things about myself that I would never have found if I wasn't kind of digging and looking for looking and observing and and accepting to some extent. I mean, sometimes I'm I'm a bit too aggressive about letting go of stuff. I think sometimes, but maybe that's just my way of my way of dealing with stuff. Is just to like when I find something I'm not all that keen on carrying with me, I just it's like time to let that go. I don't want that anymore. And if I didn't do that, I might learn something else about myself. But I can live with I can live with not knowing some things. <laughs> I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. That's that's the dual thing, of course. If you think something is not working, you're gonna say, okay, no more of this. And uh, I guess um, it it might work or it might require a different approach to not uh, to just see it for what uh, accept it you know not not say i don't want this anymore just you fully accept it and then it will also dissolve so it's like yeah what is the right approach yeah i mean i've been doing it as letting go but acceptance is part of the letting go process because you can't you can't let go of something that you haven't fully accepted anyway mm-hmm. yeah so you have to you have to just allow things to be as they are, and then they, they can move on to the natural place for the next set of things to be. If that makes any sense at all, it's all a bit a bit weird and hippie, but uh, I'm I'm good with weird and hippie, and that's kind of the way I think. So I'm not really all that worried about whether it makes sense to other people or not. I'm just asking. It's a rhetorical question, really. <laughs> I can follow a lot of it. For me, like I said, I see it as sometimes you don't understand something, but it's okay. You just leave it, and it might. I see it all in connections. At some point, I watch something, and maybe I don't get it, or and then later it pops up. So, oh wait, that actually connects. Now I now I see it. Now I see the bigger picture. So it's just um, gaining um, bits of information or or, or something. If you listen closely to yourself, you will go automatically the path that you have to go in. And even though it doesn't always necessarily make sense directly to you or to others, it, um, it somehow will um, pop up at the right place. And then it suddenly links. At least I have this experience a lot. Like, oh, hey, I was just interviewed three years ago. And now I understand. Uh, now I see what it actually means. Yeah, there's a lot of returning to previous themes with me as well. Which I think is is more or less what you've just said. It's kind of a, I've I've been through processes where I used to do a technique called immunics for a while, fairly intensively because it was something that was that I could do while I was at work. So I used to go through where I had, I'd be sitting sitting in the in the call center, talking to people, uh, setting up appointments for telesales or whatever. And while I'm doing that, I've got a piece of paper in front of me with a grid drawn on it. And I'm taking things out of my psychology and adding things into my psychology. And just, it was just part of the way I was doing it because it, that particular set of processes was simple enough that I could do it just by ticking boxes. 
while I was talking to people on the phone. I did that for like five years or something, and and then I've moved on to other other processes now. But I'm not I'm not in the call center anymore, so I don't need anything that's that kind of that that that's that way. But that was the perfect set of processes for me while I was working in the call centers. And uh, and it's very strange. It's a very strange set of processes, but but they work. And what I was find, what I found with that was that uh, if I if something popped up in my head that was kind of a, a resistance or a a thought or whatever that I put down on paper in this grid process, and then take it out and add in the opposite was more or less what was happening with it. It then it then would produce a better set of conversations, which would produce more possibility of making an appointment, which would produce more possibility of me making commission. So it was in my interest in the call center to do this process because it was producing money at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there was a relation with, relationship with it. And, uh, and it, it was a, it's a very clear relationship if you do it as a, as a documented process. It's like, I know, I know what I did on, on the days that I made more appointments and what I did when I, on the days that I did made less appointments. And there was always a correlation between me doing the, the immunix processes and the amount of money that I made. Yeah, it kind of makes sense for me. Uh, but thanks to that process, you uh, gained a whole new understanding also. That's even yeah. more powerful than the money alone. <laughs> yeah, totally. But obviously, the for me at that at that point, you, you, I need I need money to pay my bills. So I still need money to pay my bills, but uh, I'm just doing things in a different way now. Um, speaking of which, that's the perfect opportunity to remind people that Revolution Radio is listener supported. It's almost like I did that on purpose, really. <laughs> <laughs> just we're coming to, towards the end of the show. Uh, if you if you were to head on down to revolution.radio and you had a couple of dollars in your pocket that you were interested in in giving to a good cause, then we're all volunteers. We're, we're having conversations like this and other conversations uh, 24 hours a day on two studios. And uh, it, there's always something there that you'll find interesting. There's some that you'll hate and some that you'll like, but that's the nature of the beast, really. Uh, but we do rely on donations, and we do uh, receive donations gratefully. Nobody gets paid; it's all it all goes towards keep keeping the servers up and running. So um, it's freedomslips.com, and then if you look on the navigation tab at the top, you'll see a donation uh, tab, and you can set up a Patreon regular monthly donation, or there's other ways to to do individual donations and they take cryptocurrency now as well. So there's lots of ways to to keep things moving and keep things running. Uh, Lawrence, do you want to tell people where where they can find you online? Yeah, I am on Podbean. My show is The World Gone Mad. Um, It's mainly a a little bit alternative politics, looking at from the other side, what you see on the television, what they tell you there. It's mainly a little bit done out of concern because I feel what's being projected is very uh, negative and um, yeah very destructive often and uh, that's why I do it it's um, just 
um, what I feel, nobody has to accept it. You always make up your own mind, and that's what I do. Usually, at least five days a week, and the times different. Sadly, as I don't have a, a one uh, time, but you can also download the show. So uh, that's what I do uh, on Podbean. Excellent. I'm just uh, I'll remind people that uh, I'm on Podbean as well, and and I do uh, I put the I put the two radio shows on there, and then I do pop up shows when I find something that's interesting and worth sharing. And uh, yeah, and I do my experiments there. I kind of play with play with ideas and play with con- concepts and formats. And it all kind of fits together. It's doing all right. I think it's a good it's a good platform. As Revolution Radio is a good platform in a different way. And uh, they they kind of fit together and they become part of a whole that's bigger than the sum of the parts, I think. Um, but that's pretty much all we've all we need to say. Is, is any final thought before we go? We've got we've got two minutes before the music kicks in. Uh, well, yeah. For me, all this this great conversation today reminds me that um, in the spiritual tradition, where they say that everything is connected, it really for me it feels yeah that there's a little bit more proof of this now that it is all connected and that we have uh, an influence on it that we're not some helpless beings and that we are. Uh, definitely capable of a lot more and that we not uh, have to live subjected to uh, the outside worlds when we can actually within be uh, be strong and healthy so that's my <laughs> final thoughts awesome that's been a really good conversation Lawrence. thanks for being here I yeah i enjoyed it and uh, i'll see you again i'll see you next week if i don't speak to you in between i'll see you again next tuesday yeah definitely all right, we'll catch you later. The music's about to kick in, so um, I'll be here again on, on Saturday on Rev Radio at 11 a.m. Eastern on Studio B for a, a slightly different format, but a, an equally good show, I think, in its own way. Um, thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week. All right. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. We, 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 we
We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. This is... Jim Fetzer, inviting you to join me on The Raw Deal, Revolution 